Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the U.S. Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. If, you, if I sound muffled, it's because I'm wearing this stupid mask. All right? I don't need to. I just am right now because I want to sh- show it off. My aunt made it for me. Got it like a couple months ago, so... It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. It's got like musical stuff on it. I'm just waiting for, for one jackass in public to say, but why is there a random scent sign in there? And it's like, you don't understand what cut time is? You shouldn't be asking dumb questions. I'm taking this off because it looks like I have a diaper on my face. All right? And you know what? You all look like you have diapers on your faces when you're walking out in public these days. You know? I have to play by the rules just like everybody else. That's why I have one of these. I don't like wearing it. <laughs> but I have one because I have to interact with the world just like you do. And it, it stinks. I understand. And you know what? I was in um I was in the grocery store the other day, and uh, I saw this one dude. He had this uh, beard, this huge beard. You know, one of these guys that has. He's like he was like six three. First of all, he was like six three, and he had this huge beard that was like ha- ha- like all, like down to his stomach, and he had this little tiny mask on. It it looked so ridiculous. It looked so ridiculous. It looked like a Sasquatch surgeon. All right, and I, sh- I shouldn't have to see that in the in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to eat some of this food, you know? Anyway, so this is Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman. Hello and welcome. I hope you had a killer Thanksgiving. Uh, my sister, she really killed it this year uh, on uh, Thanksgiving. She made some killer mac and cheese, I, and I tore that up. Uh, and she uh, she also made, a, uh, what's that called, corn corn pudding? Cornbread pudding? That was pretty, that was pretty dope. The turkey was awesome. My mom did the turkey. Uh, I'm not into, like, cranberry sauce, but I hope you had... A good Thanksgiving, just as I have. I had. Just as I had. <laughs> anyway, so um, a picture is worth a thousand words, depending upon who is saying those words and the content of said words. And in reality, it's more of a barter situation. It, you know, because it could be a Picasso. It could be, a, you know, your selfie. A thousand words for a selfie I'm sorry. A thousand words for a picture is not necessarily always worth a thousand words. You know, it seems negotiable to me. That being said, you know, I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, uh, help us out here. We'd really appreciate it. You know, know I'm going to beg you every week until I get rich. I don't know. Also, I have a cash app. You can use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. Uh, Send me some money. If you want to leave me a note, you know, maybe I'll read it on the air if you want. If you want, if you don't want to, I can understand. Uh, same thing with being a patron. If you get, go and become a patron over at patreon.com, you can uh, you can become a patron. If you want to send me a message, have me say something on the show, say give a shout out, absolutely, I'll do that for you. But this is the cash tag up here, Shock Monkey Radio. It's also patreon.com slash Shock Monkey Radio like that. There's no like underscores or anything like that. I was lucky. <laughs> no, Nobody had Shock Monkey Radio already. <laughs> so I got on the ground floor of that one. So I'd appreciate it. Also, I want to remind you that I am, I am a writer. Uh, I've written uh, uh, a few books. I got the Exit 13 series. Search for the author Scott L. Robbins uh, with two T's and two B's on Amazon for digital download. I have the Exit 13 series. There's three three uh, Exit 13 books out there. Make sure you get them in order. Read the description so you know which one in the order you're getting. Um, yeah, and uh, I also have The Bunny Years, a mem- memoir, The Bunny years a memoir and i also have uh ravings of a madman uh search for the author scott l robbins are available available for digital download if you're one of those reader types um yeah uh 
also, I got something new coming for you. As you as you can see, I've been putting a lot of um, uh, a lot of stuff. Well, the last two shows, I've been uh, allowing the whole show. Usually, this is patron patron uh, only content you're getting the entire show. And so, uh, I, because it's December, it's the holiday season. I'm like, why the hell not? You know, we could do the whole uh, free show thing. Give you guys a, a chance to see what we got. Plus, you know, I might just change it so that all of my content is on the uh, out there for free. And if I get enough patrons and so forth, people uh, supporting me, then I could uh, be, uh, I could take some of that money that I get from that and start working on uh, uh, extra content specifically for the patrons. But for now, I'm just going to <laughs> uh, at least for December. At least for December, I'm going to give you all this content for free and. That's, and you're welcome, I suppose. Prego. So um, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm still posting a parlor saying that I'm live here on parlor because that's the social media pro, uh, pl platform you should be using. Uh, I want to remind you that I'm also on YouTube. Search Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube if you're watching this video or watching it through YouTube. So um, I also have, I'm also on BitChute. And so that's that. Now I could close all these windows. And get back to the show. So my car is a time machine. All right. Because I have to disconnect the battery every time I get out of it. You know, it's always the one o'clock hour when I'm in my car. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't already know that my car was a time machine. After all, it's like every car is a time machine. You are a time machine. You know, it, granted, you know, we can't really move any other direction, but we are constantly moving through time. And even if we're, if, uh, even if you had a, and when you get in a car, then you're traveling through space and time, you know, but even, even if you're sitting still, you're still traveling through space and time because you're on this planet earth and that's moving through space and time. All right. So it's, I think that Doc Brown was just out of his gourd when he thought that, you know, Hey, I need that stainless steel construction. It's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Every vehicle is a time machine. Every human being is a time machine. So if you ever feel down and out, you ever feel a little hard on yourself, just think about that for a second. It's like you accomplished what Doc Brown, <laughs> what Doc Brown did in a sci-fi movie. Okay, we're all time machines. We are all, it's just a way to look at yourself as like a supervillain or something like that. That's at least, that's what I think of it as, is that look at me traveling through time. Wow. I'm sorry, I guess I'm, uh, <laughs> It doesn't take much to impress me these days. I'm going to, yeah, this, this is a horrible topic. I'm going to move on. So um, let's talk about the Death Star because I was thinking about the Death Star. It, you think about the Death Star from time to time. Absolutely. I'm just like, absolutely. You just, I would like a Death Star to come by this planet and just blow it up. Boom. No more Earth. All of a sudden, peace on Earth. All of a sudden. But I was thinking about the Death Star in terms of like its size. All right. Um, when it's, when, it's first, when we're first introduced to the Death Star, it's in A New Hope, Star Wars A New Hope. And um, uh, they're going to Alderaan. They're uh, hyper, in hyperspace, and they're, uh, they get to the Alderaan system, and they say, oh, this is the Alderaan system, but no Alderaan. And then uh, they run into that TIE fighter, and the, the, then Luke points out, and he's like, hey, look, he's headed for that small moon. And Obi-Wan, of course, says, that's no moon. It's a space station, only with a Alec Guinness voice. And so... <clears throat> that's that's what I mean. It's like they were flying through space and they easily mistook it for a moon. And Han Solo even said that's too big to be a space station. And so, <clears throat> a 
clearly I can quote the entire movie by heart. So, <laughs> and so uh, I was almost I was almost about to go and like quote the whole movie. Then I was really like copyright strike. And so um, they had this uh, they had this confusion over whether it's a space station or a moon. And that just gives you an idea of how big the Death Star is. And even in uh, Return of the Jedi, you got a better understanding of how big the Death Star is. When uh, I guess even in A New Hope, you got an idea of where the hangars were in relation to the size of the Death Star. You know, that little tiny thing lying across the center of the Death Star, the equator of the Death Star, if you will, is where all the cargo bays, or their landing bays are. What are they called? Docking bays. Docking Bay 94. <laughs> I even know the Docking Bay. Docking Bay 94. Or was that on Tatooine? It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that that's, that's the idea of how vast this, the Death Star is. Now, I know what you might be thinking. I might be going into that clerks kind of thing where they're having this conversation about, you know, Imperials were on the original Death Star and then the people building the other Death Star were, were contractors and therefore, you know, they weren't responsible and they, they didn't deserve to be blown up by a bunch of left-wing radicals. And so um, that's not the argument I'm going to make. The argument I'm going to make is that if the Death Star wasn't blown up. I think that over time, it would have developed its own biosphere. Now, hear me out. All right, say the Death Star blew up Alderaan. All right, and then they went, they, uh, all right, let's stop there. All right, Death Star comes and blows up Alderaan. All that debris, all that dirt and rock and water that was on Alderaan does not just disappear. All right, I know it looks like it all vaporized, but... All matter cannot be created or, you know, destroyed like that. You know, it has to go somewhere. And so all this dirt and rock and water will be flung out into the system to where uh, around the area where the Death Star is. And being that they just destroyed the planet that the, and just, uh, therefore eliminated all the gravity of that planet, that means that the next largest object closest to all this debris is the Death Star. That means... Unless the Death Star has hyperspace capability, which I don't think it did. I think it moved very slowly. I think it was a subspace uh, uh, vehicle. Is that what it's called, subspace vehicle? Yeah. And so, therefore, um, uh, it, it couldn't move very fast. And so, over time, all this rock and, and dirt and water would eventually gravitate into the orbit of the Death Star. Okay? And that means that over time, the dirt and the water could all end up on the surface of the Death Star. And the biological um, components that may be still in those rocks and still in that dirt could start life again on the surface of the Death Star. That means over years, if the Rebels never blew up, you know, they went up, they, the Death Star went to Alderaan, blew that up, and then the Death Star went all the way to Yavin 4, which is apparently like four parsecs away. I don't know if you know anything about this, but... That's why it took so long for, you know, Death Star to get there, because it's like four pars parsecs, and it's a subspace uh, vehicle. Okay? I don't know if you think this much about Star Wars, but I do. All right? And so, over time, after it blows up Alderaan, and after it blows up Yavin, it has all this dirt and water and uh, rock floating around it, either in orbit, you know, creating moons around the Death Star, the, the, the dirt and the water would eventually settle to the surface to the surface of the Death Star, and accumulate there. Now, over time, there are a bunch of human beings, assuming they're humans, on the Death Star, living and breathing, and eventually, 
and periodically on the Death Star, they're going to have to vent the carbon dioxide. However, because of the size of the Death Star, that carbon dioxide isn't just going to dissipate into space. That gas, that carbon dioxide gas, is going to continue to form, uh, be trapped by the gravity of the Death Star, just as the dirt and rock and water are, and eventually you're going to have carbon dioxide, dirt, and water on the surface of the Death Star, covering the surface of the Death Star, and therefore you're going to start seeing vegetation start coming up and life springing up. Now, it could come to a point where, you know, you come to the Death Star, it's been operational, it's blown up, blown up a couple worlds, you know, at this point, and uh, you could see a bunch of, you get to go to the Death Star, you fly into the Death Star, and the Death Star is green. Death Star starts to look like a planet. Okay, and you start, you fly into the Death Star, and you know, as you're flying into the hangars, you see all these stormtroopers out there pushing, uh, riding lawnmowers or something like that, because they're going to have to mow the Death Star. Think about that. Am I wrong? Is there any, like, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com if you can say that I'm wrong. It's like, over time, the Death Star would have become a planet. And so it makes me wonder, is like, why was the second Death Star being built around Endor? Do you think that Endor was probably a failed prototype of the Death Star? It's like, oh, we, we blew up a planet just to test the, the big laser. And all this dirt and stuff like that just <laughs> ended up collecting and packing around the the prototype Death Star, and so they like, oh, we got to get this right <laughs> and have to come up with some way to avoid all this stuff accumulating on our Death Star so we don't have to mow it. Because if you think about it, it's, it's, it's a much better idea not to mow the Death Star if you don't have to. Because it's, it's like intentionally making a planet-sized lawn for you to keep up, you know? You're going to have to have some stormtroopers who are gardeners, for God's sakes. Stormtrooper gardeners. Anyway, that's just where my head was today. Where does your head go? I don't know. Sometimes I go to the Death Star. And sometimes I think about Spider-Man. You like Spider-Man? I love Spider-Man. He's one of my favorite super heroes. All right? When it comes to heroes, uh, Batman, obviously. Obviously. Everyone loves Batman, right? Except maybe the Joker. You think the Joker reads comic books? I think he likes the like the funny books, not not necessarily the uh, sci-fi comic books as they are these days. I think he likes uh, what like Archie's. You think? Imagine Joker reads Archie's. I think he would. Who would be his favorite character? Reggie. You think Reggie would be? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to stay hydrated. Uh, how much water do you drink a day? You need to stay hydrated. It's getting cold too. People don't drink. Uh, people get really dehydrated in the winter. So drink your water. Absolutely. So I want to talk about Spider-Man <laughs> a little bit <clears throat> and the Spider-Man learning curve. Now, when, when Peter Parker first got his powers, there, there had to have been a time where it took him figuring out how to do this web swinging thing. And they kind of touched upon it in the first movie, the first Tobey, uh, what's his name, Tobey Maguire? Tobey Maguire movie. The Spider-Man was he first shot the webs and tried to swing and slammed into a billboard. And that's the only scene you got. Okay, of that, that learning curve, the Spider-Man learning curve. Now, I don't know about you, but I've played a bunch of Spider-Man video games, and of late, in the last few years, there has been some fantastic Spider-Man video games, and you have uh, amazing control over Spider-Man as a character, and it takes a while for you to learn how to run along walls and shoot, shoot the webs just right and do all the tricks and so forth. So that's, it takes a while takes a while for you to learn how to do that as a player. 
But if you were a, if you were actually Spider Man, if you were actually Spider Man and you like had to learn how to do this, like you go to the rooftop and you're in your Spider Man outfit, you got your web shooters, you're all set to go. You know, you, you don't just jump out head first and you, you you do like you did in the in the movie, just a thwip, okay, test, 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 swing. Okay, it's going to take a while. And that's also going to mean like just like if, if you were a skateboarder or something like that, it, you know, you're going to face plant sooner or later because what you're doing is like a, it's an acrobatic athletic thing that you're doing, you know, and, and nobody else on Earth does this. Nobody else it, until until the symbiotic symbiotic uh, costume. You were the only person on earth that did this, Peter Parker. And there had to have been a learning curve where you're swinging through the, through the streets. Somebody's coming out of rays with a slice and they're taking a bite of their slice. And all of a sudden, Spider-Man swings by, bangs his knee against the light post. And you hear, ah, oh, my knee, as he swings away. That should happen. There should be a learning curve where he's sitting there and he's like, Spider-Man landed on my car today. He said, "Oh, I tried to make the <laughs> I tried to make the jump. I, didn't, I thought I didn't need to use my webs, but I should have used my webs. I ended up landing in your car." And that's just New Yorkers. <laughs> you you got to understand that these are New Yorkers. All right. Now imagine all the people that Spider-Man saves. This is like a a side when it comes to the Spider-Man lear, learning curve. Is that there's got to be a ton of people that Spider-Man saves that are also like tourists because there is a big tourism thing in New York. Like even people in the United States, you know. And so, I mean, it's, uh, I think that uh, Venture Brothers did a, a, a good parody of this where, like, Spider-Man is so New York that, you know, he saves somebody and he's like, fucking tourists. You know? <laughs> and that's just, you know, that, that's, that's Spider-Man for you. He's a New York kid. And so, but there's got to be a learning curve because what you're doing is a pioneering thing. It's kind of like parkour with superpowers. All right? And even people who do parkour, you know, they, they bust a knee. <laughs> they sprain an ankle. You know, Spider-Man could be chasing the vulture down, thwip, 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 swinging from city, you know, uh, <laughs> building to building, chasing the vulture. All of a sudden, you know, he catches an elbow. <laughs> he catches an elbow on the facade of a building, and it's just, it, you know how it is. If you hit that funny bone, it's just, ah! And, you know, but you're web-swinging. So next thing you know, you're falling 20 stories while you're, ah, that pain in your elbow is going off. All right? Do you think Spider-Sense helps out with something like that? Like the Spider-Sense goes tingles and says, oh, watch out for your elbow. I don't know. I don't know how Spider-Sense works. You know, I've been throwing spiders in the Every time I find a spider in the house, I throw it in the microwave. They never seem to live past that to bite me. So I don't know how to get these powers. I, I definitely want those superpowers. Because when it comes to superpowers, it's like, what are the best superpowers to have? I mean, you could say that like, okay, like Superman. To be a Kryptonian on on in, on a, uh, a a planet with a yellow sun is probably the best thing to do because you'd feel pretty invulnerable. You know, you wouldn't be really afraid of anything. But but I mean, even as Spider Man, you have plenty of things to be afraid of, like missing the jump. Yeah, you know, I didn't stick the landing, and I twisted my ankle. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it would be exhilarating to get that down, to get the web swinging down to the point where you can have thought bubbles over your head while you're web swinging. And they even talk about it in the comic books is like how Peter will be web swinging through the city. And that's how he thinks It's like, so uh, he's been practicing, practiced and practiced to the point where it's become second nature to him. It's just like us with driving. 
Now, you know, I don't know if you do this. I, when I get in my car, I'll take, I'll take the long way frequently because I like to think and, you know, think about how the Death Star would work, you know, all that dirt stuff. <laughs> you know, I like to think about that kind of stuff. And that, that's how, you know, driving is second nature to me. I mean, I haven't been in an accident in years. Not Where's wood? No, no wood. It's all plastic and metal around me. Oh, my Lord. Yep, so uh, Spider-Man, there's got to be a learning curve. There's got to be a learning curve. He had to, like, crash into some windows, knock some facades down, twist his ankle while chasing Shocker. And Shocker, <laughs> uh, he, has a, he has a different context in this day and age. Like, if you, if you imagine, like, when, it, uh, y- you know, the Shocker, you know. And so uh, I think in this day and age, it's like, um, he would be, be made fun of <laughs> in the streets. You know, it's like you gotta you gotta pick a like a superhero supervillain name that cannot be corrupted. You know, and I think Shocker is just one of those ones. It's like, ooh, that didn't age well. That supervillain name didn't age well. Um, so I want to talk about one more thing before we get into the news worth knowing, and that's um I've been watching a lot of Supergirl uh, lately. I've been um when I first when if uh, when I first watched it, it was uh, it was first three seasons, and now I, I watched the first three seasons again, and um, uh, and uh, now I'm on season four, uh, season four, and in season four, there's this new character that shows up, um, Nia Nall, all right, and she's like the dreamer or something like that, and she sees the future through dreams and can astral project and stuff like that. Uh, okay, I don't know if you're necessarily a, a superhero, but it, it's a there's definitely superpowers, but technically, you know, it, in terms of if it when it comes to superpowers, it's pretty horrible. And so, um, uh, but they, all right, first of all, Supergirl has always been a mis, uh, borderline misandrous show. All right. And, and in this earth too, that they live in is like every single CEO and president and politician are all women. All right. And every single guy in the Supergirl show is a cuck who just has to agree with every woman around him. All right. I can't stand it. The show is so, borderline misandrist that they cast John fucking Cryer as Lex Luthor. That's right. Ducky as Lex Luthor. All right. And it's really come out in this fourth season that I've been watching. I haven't, I think there's five seasons. I haven't gotten that far yet, but this character, Nia Nall, she is uh, a transgender person. All right. Uh, so this character, Nia Nall is played by this activist guy named Wyatt, Wyatt Maines. She prefers to go by Nicole. All right, and so um, in the show, and she's an activist, okay, this uh, person, it's, it's default, I, I just immediately see, I, I disagree, but I'm going to say she, because why, why the hell not, you know, I'm, if you, as long as you're not making something up, where I have to say Z, you know, anyway, so she's a, she's a, a transgender activist, and, um, <laughs> and then they wrote the part for her activism in, in the show. And I really don't like this, especially the way they did it. All right. Now, Neonal is, uh, is, uh, is an alien. All right. Just like, like every other character in, uh, <laughs> in Supergirl is an alien. You know, every other character is an alien. So she's an alien. And from and her alien species, the um, one female in, a generation, in every generation has this dreaming ability. So like, it's not like every female has this ability. It's just one female in the family has this dreaming ability. Now, here's the thing. In the show, she's transgender, meaning she was born 
uh, with X and Y chromosomes. That makes you male, Wyatt. That means you are a male, and that means that if there is a biological function to this hereditary superpower that only goes to one female a, you know, a generation, that means that you cannot get this superpower. That means by science, you cannot get this superpower. That's why women have the XX chromosome. They need that extra data just for making babies and stuff like that. All right. You know, the coding for women and the coding for men, it, uh, it's in the, far more code is needed to, for women. Makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. But the point is, is that that part of the code, if, if the males don't get this dreaming ability and only females get this dreaming ability, that means that you would not get it. You would not have that power. Your sister would have that power. And when she makes that argument with you and the way that they frame it in this episode is like what a horrible person her sister is for saying this, right? But the whole point is that, you know, your sister has a point. You're not even a real woman. Did, uh, did we crash there, EK? We still live, EK? So I think we crashed, but I'm going to keep on speaking until uh, hopefully Eric comes back. So uh, I don't know what's going on. But here's the point, is that, you know, this transgender person, you know, she isn't, she isn't male. Um, she is male. She isn't female. And so, therefore, <coughs> therefore, <laughs> did we crash, bro? Anyway, so I think we lost video, so it wouldn't surprise me, considering the subject matter. And so there, um, that being said, uh, yeah, I guess we'll end this topic. We'll try to get, get on what's, what's going on with the, with the YouTube. I wouldn't be surprised if they shut us down. Really? Yeah. I mean, the audio is obviously still... Well, the audio is still going, but I mean, because of what I was saying. Uh, if you look through my notes, it's note six. All right, so um, that doesn't surprise me. So, sorry. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to the podcast, we're having some technical difficulties here in the studio, and it happens from time to time. And I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, help us out, go and get better computers so we didn't get crashes. However, I do believe it's possible that uh, we were shut down by YouTube because of the nature of what I was saying. So let me, uh, we're going to get into... Are you are you loading up the thing now, or are we up now, or we still going? Oh, okay, awesome. See, YouTube's cool that way <laughs> because uh, um, your your live status will remain, you know, active for a period of time. So if your software crashes, you can get back in and join it. So yeah, it looks like I pop back in. Looks like I pop back in. <laughs> All right. So we have a recurring loading issue. Okay. All right. Sorry for you podcast listeners where our videos, uh, yeah, ignore that. <laughs> We're actually in the middle of the show, not the beginning. We're actually get about to get into the news worth knowing. So uh, if you want to play that stinger, I suppose you can. Uh, yeah, we, it's possible. Oh, thank you, David, for subscribing. My 80th subscriber. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we got shut down for what I said. Damn it, now I'm going to have to download this video and splice them together for bit shoot. It's all right. It's all right. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. So let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing and close out of the YouTube. So, uh, Seattle police arrest four after protesters damage businesses, residents after dark. All right. Now, this uh, 
normally this story, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have told it, but uh, the pictures of the graffiti are hilarious to me. All right, so let me read the story first. Seattle police made four arrests Monday night during protests that broke out by Capitol Hill in Seattle. All right, uh, officers with the Seattle Police Department witnessed uh, members of a protest damage a key bank located at the 1600 block of Broadway around 8 p.m. The group then smashed windows at a Starbucks in the 800 block of 12th Avenue before officers moved in and made three initial arrests. One person was arrested for property damage and another two for obstructing a law enforcement officer. The group continued to march through the streets and cause more property damage to businesses and residences. Woo, that was a tongue twister. The police department said in a press release, a fourth person was arrested for property damage before the group uh, returned to Cal Anderson Park. Okay. Um, photos released by police show shattered windows at the Starbucks and the message, fuck up dirty money, do- dollar sign, spray painted on the ATM outside Key Bank. Uh, buildings were tagged with slogans supporting Black Lives Matter, as well as calls for anarchy, arson, and violence against cops. <laughs> Another phrase seen in graffiti was land back, a nod to a liberal indigenous sovereignty movement that uh, usually receives attention around Thanksgiving celebrations, as some Native Americans instead call for a counter-protest dubbed a National Day of Mourning. Uh, Seattle has been the site of ongoing protests since the death of George Floyd, a black man in Minnesota, earlier this summer. In the initial unrest following Floyd's death in police custody, officers in Seattle were ordered to abandon the police department's 4th Precinct, which became a major bargaining chip at four demonstrators who erected barricades in an area around Capitol Hill that included Cal Anderson Park and about six blocks, six city blocks back in June. I'm sure you remember all the Chaz chop, and that's what they're going to continue talking about. But I want to read some of this graffiti uh, that, that is written. All right, this one picture, it says, uh, Cops Dishonor USA. I'm actually impressed because they spelled dishonor correctly. But cops dishonor USA. And then there's another one that says simply Antifa is cool. <laughs> so we got some real geniuses here. Um, here's another one. Uh, they wrote more dead cops. You see, these, these seem like some real charmers. And in addition to writing more dead cops in graffiti, um, they put the anarchy sign inside the circle of the O of cops. Now, you know what? I remember back in my high school days when everybody would put those anarchy symbols on their, on their, uh, on their notebooks, and they thought they were so fucking cool. They thought they were cool. They were like, anarchy. Anarchy rules, man. <laughs> no, no cops, no law, no government. Yeah, and then you were all murdering each other. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, there's... there's one piece of graffiti says R2 prisons, BLM, R2 the prisons. I don't even know what this means. So the, clearly these are not the brightest bulbs in the Christmas lights. All right. <laughs> you know, they supposedly got what they wanted. But, if they, but I think that it shows that they truly are anarchists. You know, these people need to be arrested. They need to go to mental hospitals. You know, they need to be treated and reformed to be taught that, hey, anarchy is bad. Socialism is bad. Violence, even against fascists, <laughs> is bad, especially when you're, you are not even sure what fascists are. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into a rant about it, but I'm, I'm, if you watch my show, you, you know how I feel about all this. But the point is, is that, you know, I thought they got what they wanted. I thought they got, you know, uh, Trump's gone. You know, why is there anger, you know? It's still going on. It's still going on. 
Anyway, I'm going to go on to this next story. Maybe a short show today. Who knows? Uh, American group detained for accidentally sailing in British Virgin Island waters. They traveled about 1.5 miles into forbidden seas. Why? Why would you leave the United States during this time? Four Americans claim they are being held hostage were being held like hostages in a British Virgin Islands hotel room after they accidentally sailed into the territory's waters, breaking rules, rules that prohibit U.S. visitors during the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a report. Lynn Hines of Manning, South Carolina, said she, her husband, and two friends only realized their mistake after the sailboat had already traveled a mile and a half into the Forbidden Seas on November 19th on their way to St. John. News station WJLA reported. The boat turned around to head back, but it was too late when they were met by customs agents. Quote, this is where they took, our, took a, they took our passports and all the boat's documentation, and they stated that you have been charged with trying to enter the country illegally, not coming to a port of entry, and they carry two uh, $10,000 fines, Hines told the outlet. Since then, they've been detained in a single hotel room, which they say is overrun with bugs and has a broken sink. <laughs> Golly. Quote, we are hostages being held for ransom and not being charged. The only one charged is the boat owner, Lynn Hines' husband, John told WJLA. We have been informed because we, are, we were on the boat and also in territorial waters, we are also being detained. He claimed that the captain had, has tried to pay the $20,000 fine, but only has credit cards and customs officials want cash. On Monday, the group said they are waiting to appear in court and hopefully secure their release. Quote, we were told the customs was not handling the case, that immigration was handling the case, Lynn told WSOC. Uh, she went on to say, then it was, immigration's, it was immigration's not handling the case, now the prosecutor's handling the case. You talk funny, lady. The U.S. State Department said it is aware of the matter and is pro uh, providing assistance to the foursome. We, are, uh, we take serious Seriously, our responsibility to assist U.S. citizens abroad and are providing all appropriate consular services, the agency said in a statement to WSOC. Uh, we remain in communication with the detained U.S. citizens. They want cash. This is so shady. This is so shady. Look, why would you even risk this? Why would you even risk this? And especially if you don't know navigation, you know, sailing navigation is that well. You know, I was in the Navy. That doesn't mean I know how to sail, okay? <laughs> Somebody else did the sailing. I fixed the computers. And so, <laughs> but, I mean, I didn't do any navigating either. And if I didn't know how to navigate, I sure as hell wouldn't own a boat and go anywhere near the British Virgin Islands. I mean, for most of my life, I've wanted to go to England, visit England, where, where my blood comes from, <laughs> where my blue blood comes from, all right? But lately, ever since, like, 2016... I don't want to go to any other country. It's getting bad enough here in the United States. You know, China, they welded people into their homes. And, everyone, uh, and every other world country, second world country, because <laughs> the U.S. is number one, we're the only first world country, every other second world country is going crazy with these lockdowns and stuff like this. Customs and law enforcement detaining people, demanding cash. I mean, how can you give, charge them or to say that they didn't come to a port of entry when they weren't even approaching a port, all right? Just because you found them in international waters doesn't mean that you, uh, uh, crossing into your, uh, into your waters doesn't mean that they're heading for a port. It's like, 
how can you charge them with that? And they want cash, which is shady AF. Shady AF. And what sucks is that, you know, they, <laughs> these nations, they do this all the time. They detain Americans all the time because they know Americans will pay. Pisses me off. That's why you don't want to go to other countries, man. It's like, I've been all over this world, and you know what? This is the best place in the world. You know, I've never seen racism like I saw it, like, like I saw in Spain. All of you people who run around here say, like, oh, America's such a racist country. Go to fucking Spain. Go to Greece. Go any other country in the world. Okay, go to Australia as a black person. See, see how that works out for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you gotta be, go visit the world. Go see how it, how it is, how it really is out there. All right? It's horrible out there. I guess I was, I was lucky. I was in the Navy. I, was, <laughs> I had no choice about it. Because if I had any choice about it, the only country I'd ever want to visit is England. Because it's like stepping into Narnia or something. All right, let's go to this next uh, news story. Network news, newscasts ignored Dr. Fauci saying kids should be in school. All right, everyone puts all this faith in Fauci. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Anthony Fauci on Sunday urged American leaders to keep schools open amid the coronavirus pandemic, but anyone who relies on ABC, NBC, or CBS's evening, evening newscasts for information would have no idea. Quote, we say it not being facetiously or having a soundbite or anything, but you know, close to the, close the bars, keep the schools open, is what we really say, Fauci told Martha Raddatz on ABC's This Week. He went on to say, obviously, you don't uh, have a one-size-fits-all, but as I've said in the past, as <clears throat> you accurately quoted me, the default position should be, the be should be as best as possible within reason to keep the children in school and get them back to school. Fauci noted that the spread of the COVID-19 between children was low, uh, especially compared to other areas. Earlier this month, New York City Bill de Blasio ordered all public schools to remove all, uh, to move to total virtual learning, a move that drew sharp backlash from parents across the city. <clears throat> Excuse me. ABC's World News Tonight, NBC's uh, Nightly News, and CBS Evening News all ignored Fauci's comments arguing that schools should remain open on Monday, according to Media Research Center. Quote, while the, while the broadcast network spent Monday evening uh, echoing Dr. Anthony Fauci's complaints against uh, fed-up Americans spending Thanksgiving with their families, and CBS blasted Florida for keeping schools open, none of them shared his Sunday comments arguing that kids should remain in school and his admission that kids don't spread the virus as much as they feared. Media Research Center analyst Nicholas Fondacaro wrote. Fondacaro said Fauci's comments were, quote, a revelation considering the fact that Fauci and other so-called experts pushed a policy that have harmed millions of American children for years to come, but the mainstream media didn't care. That's the end of the article, so I can read a comment on it. Um, first of all, <laughs> you know, rest your weary head about the trauma these kids experiencing of having a year-long snow day, all right? They're, they're going to be fine. All right, they're not traumatized by this. If they're traumatized, it's probably because somebody around them has been promoting this fear everything, fear other people mentality that's been going along this entire year. That's been going around this entire year. All right, the kids should be in schools. Absolutely. I don't think we should be wearing masks. I covered that at the beginning. But the point is, is that these main networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, they all ignored his comments because it doesn't fit their editorial narrative. And when it comes to edit an editorial narrative, an editorial narrative is biased. <clears throat> it's biased by its very nature. You know, you can go to places like 
you can go to Tim Pool. You can go to uh, Ben Shapiro. You and you know you're getting it biased. You can come to me, and you. I hope. I hope you know that I'm biased. I hope you know that. If you don't, it's like, why are you watching this channel? How can you get anything that I'm saying? You can. If, oh my God. If you don't know that I'm biased, you probably don't understand like any of the jokes. You probably take this show seriously. I mean, I take the show seriously, but you know, it's my job to take it seriously. I should be the only one that's taking this seriously. And even then, I do, I have a lot of mirth ingested in it. That being said, you know, you you should rec- you should report the news. You should say what Dr. Fauci is saying. Right or wrong? Right or wrong, you should be able to know what he is saying. And that's, I think, is the whole point of freedom of speech and the whole point of, like, uh, why all this shadow banning and, like, canceling people on social media is so wrong. You want to be able to find an idiot like Dr. Fauci. You want to be able to see him for the idiot that he is. See him, uh, what's what's that called, waffling on the issues? Waffling, (laughs) eating waffles. You don't want to see Dr. Fauci eating waffles. But the point is, is that, you know, you have to cover the news. You have to know where the madmen are so that you, so that you, okay, there's the madman. I can subscribe to his channel or not. It's like, I can listen to Dr. Fauci or not. The point is, is that nobody is an expert on a pandemic. All right. And nobody who lived through the Spanish flu is around to get, have, lend their expert experience to us. All this is, all that we really have is what has been written down from that experience. And you know what? A lot of it's been being blown out of proportion because in comparison to the Spanish flu, yeah, I'm really not seeing it. I understand there's tons of people infected, but all these numbers, they're, they're skewed. The numbers are skewed, as all numbers are. <laughs> nobody, nobody handled this right all over the planet. Nobody handled this right. <laughs> and I think it should. I think the correct handling should have been more like I think Sweden is like we're not gonna lock down. If you're if you're at risk, you know, protect yourself. Wear a mask, even if it has little scent signs on it. Uh, so let's go on to this next news story. Uh, Dallas rents restaurant tour apologizes for telling twerking women to get the fuck out. Claims context was misunder- misunderstood. Okay. So a Dallas restaurateur has apologized for his using uh, harsh harsh language to ask a group of customers to leave the establishment for twerking, but maintains that their behavior is unacceptable and disrespectful uh, in his new venue after a quick clip of the showdown went viral. Kevin Kelly opened True Kitchen and Cocktails, with a K, in downtown Dallas, in case you want to go. Check it out. True Kitchen and Cocktails in downtown uh, Dallas in August, proudly touting the space as a black-owned business uh, celebrating the black excellence within the community, according to a statement. Uh, things got heated over the weekend, however, when Kelly scolded some women for twerking in True Kitchen's dining room after allegedly and repeatedly being asked to stop. The Dallas Morning News re- uh, reports that the incident occurred on Sunday night and footage of Kelly addressing his guests has been viewed 3.7 million times as of Tuesday morning, this morning. Quote, this is a quote. Uh, I invested a lot of money into buying this building and developing this concept so black people can have somewhere nice to go, okay? Uh, somewhere where our people can feel good about ourselves as a culture. Kelly told the room following the twerking trouble. Uh, what the quote goes on to say, but all this twerking and shit, take it to the prime, take it to the pink, to, to Dallas clubs. Uh, don't bring it in here because we're a restaurant, he said. Beyond that, 75% of our customers are ladies, and I want men to show respect for how they carry themselves here. 
how can I tell the men to respect themselves uh, when you guys are twerking on glass here? <laughs> Quote, you want to do it? Get the fuck out of my restaurant, Kelly added. If you don't like it, get out because I don't need your money. I, I need to provide something for my people. Don't do it again. Thank you. The Twitter user who posted the video captioned the clip, restaurant suicide on camera. Yeah. Awful people. Although Kelly's um, passionate appeal has been met with mixed reactions, some applauded Kelly's for defending his vision of the restaurant. Uh, others criticized him for paying, uh, playing club music in True Kitchen's dining room. <laughs> if such dancing is indeed a problem and calling for that. What kind of music yeah. was he playing? What kind of music was he playing? What was he wearing? Yeah. What was he wearing? Yeah. Uh, so if, if this is indeed a problem and for calling out the twerking customers in a larger setting. And then, you know, journalism. They, they just put a bunch of tweets. Like, that's not journalism. Copying and pasting tweets is not journalism, damn it. Okay, the article goes on. On Monday, Kelly posted an extensive apology across two True Kitchen social media channels saying he was sorry for his poor choice in wording and sharing more about his side of the story. In the statement, Kelly claimed that the twerking customers had been asked to stop multiple times and risked injury by dancing on furniture. He's worried about a lawsuit, of course, which prompted a serious speech. As for the soundtrack to the saga, Kelly said the restaurant planned to adjust its music selections in the future with a disclaimer. So he was playing probably something to, that you can dance to. <laughs> uh, quote, regardless of what, it ha what had or will be played, no guest had the right to come into our business home and stand on our furniture because of any song being played, he argued. As for twerking being a part of our culture, we are not wel We do not welcome the, that the part of that the part of the culture that will come into a restaurant, stand on furniture, and twerk while using culture as an excuse. Would you accept this for your home? Probably. Uh, he goes on to say, from the outset, we knew True Kitchen and cocktails would uh, would not be for everyone, but we hoped everyone would understand we are moving uh, moving with a cause with a cause to give a diverse group of customers comfort food in a way they presented way never presented in Dallas. Kelly said, excuse me, we are moving with a cause to show other minority entrepreneurs. They can own their building, own their restaurant, and they can be successful growing their own brand. There is nothing that will deter my team from this cause. You know, <laughs> I don't know where people got this idea that, you know, uh, have, we've moved away from this concept where we reserve the right to serve anyone for any reason, okay? And I think that that's kind of like the right as a business owner. It's like, I don't want twerkers in here. I get it. I get it. You know, if, you're, if, if you have a restaurant slash bar, like, I mean, it, restaurants, you know, they serve alcohols too. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this one is. I haven't looked too, too deep into uh, true, what's it called? <laughs> In case you want to go true kitchen and cocktails, true kitchen and cocktails. I don't know. Cocktails implies alcohol. So there's alcohol there. They're playing dance music. And it's like, hey, you know, I've been there. I've been at restaurants that all of a sudden turn into a dance club <laughs> come 11 o'clock. All right. Uh, I think there was like a couple bars in Norfolk that were like that. You know, it's it happens. And sometimes, you know, a place ends up being a uh, uh, a spot, you know a new place. And so, I mean, people may dance and stuff like that, and they may want to try to turn this into a, a, a dance club, but he's, he's making a point. It's like, he wants it to be a, a fine dining establishment. And absolutely has every right to have run his business the way he wants to, and to kick out anybody for doing anything. If I come in there and start pissing all over the tables, 
<laughs> I'm not going to like record him kicking me out and like get on social media and call him a dickhead for not letting me piss on the table. All right. So we should we should cancel this guy because he didn't let me piss on the tables. I'm the customer, and the customer is always right. Whoever came up with that phrase needs to have been strangled. Customer is always an asshole. <laughs> People are awful. We can be some of the best and some of the some of the worst. But I tell you what. We're coming to the end of the show, and so the last two news stories, I try to keep a positive note, so it lead us into the next, the upcoming week uh, with some more positive stories. Now, let's go on to this next one, which um, I, I mentioned the story last week briefly. I know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I think I read the whole story. Yeah, I mentioned this one uh, about the Utah monolith. Remember, somebody found a monolith out in Utah in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but Southwest Airlines has commented on the Utah monolith, offers silly explanation as to where it went. Because I don't know if you know this, it disappeared over the last week. Anyway, so so Southwest Airlines has thrown water onto our theory that Utah's mysterious monolith had arrived to help us usher in a into an age of new enlightenment. I don't. I, that's not what I made of it at all. I thought it was a prank, and I think that Southwest Airlines gets anyway. Read the article, Scott. Uh, the internet is still abuzz with speculation over the whereabouts and the meaning of the silver monolith, monolith, which was found in Utah by officials in November before disappearing almost as soon as it was discovered. Some proposed that it was an installation by a new wave artist. Others theorized that it was, uh, that it was put there by aliens a la 2001, a space odyssey. Southwest Airlines, however, is offering, the one of only, is offering one of the only plausible explanations for its disappearance. This is, did it crash again? Son of a batch. Son of a batch. Anyway, earlier this week, the Dallas-based airline tweeted out a photo of the monolith, albeit edited to look like one of the number posts uh, that assist with seating at a Southwest Airlines gate. <laughs> so, yeah, they, like, uh, they, they memed it, basically. They took the picture of the monolith, and they put like 16 to 20, go this way, 21 to 25. It's like a little gate thing that you see at Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Which directions? And so they, they, they posted this picture, and they said, sorry, y'all, we needed it back, the airline wrote in its tweet jokingly suggesting that the carrier was responsible for the monolith's disappearance. The tweet has since been shared over 8,000 times and earned almost 70,000 likes. Now that is funny, wrote one Twitter user. And just like that, you remind me of why you're my favorite airline and added another. Southwest Airlines later revealed that Twitter user at IotaPup was responsible for both the idea and the photo, which had originally been posted uh, a few days before. But despite Southwest's lighthearted take on the monolith, the airline still, uh, still took a moment to offer a word of warning for its followers and Twitter commenters. It's all fun and games until you hear HAL 9000 on the intercom, referencing yet another blah, 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 2001 Space Odyssey. In a statement shared with Fox News, Southwest very admirably kept up the fact, why would you put that in the, this is a news article. Very admirably in parentheses. What are you doing, Fox. Anyway, in a statement shared with Fox News, Southwest kept up the act, further uh, detailing, detailing the initial loss and then rescue of the mis missing boarding monolith. <laughs> Quote, when we discovered one of our boarding stanchions was missing from our Las Vegas operation, the 16 to 25, <laughs> one no less, maybe the top most difficult pillars to replace, we immediately went looking for it. A representative for the airline told Fox News. Once it was discovered in the middle of the desert, we had our team of experts extract it under the cover of darkness so as not to cause a scene and return it safely to the airport. We know many people uh, were sad to see it leave the desert, but we just want to remind them that they can visit the monolith anytime by going to southwest.com and booking one of our low fares. Womp, womp, womp. This is an advertorial. 
<laughs> you know what advertorials are, right? So it's a story like this. Actually, it's more like uh, Southwest Airlines is capitalizing upon the, the trending nature of that uh, monolith. Like I said, like I said last week, it's 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 a prank. Somebody's playing a prank, and uh, Southwest got it. Their social media director understood that it was a prank, and boop, no problem, no problem. All right, let's uh, go on to this last story before we end for the day. Um, couple uses deposit from canceled wedding to feed hundreds on Thanksgiving. An Illinois couple used their money saved for a catering reception for their wedding to feed the needy for Thanksgiving. After canceling their original plans because of COVID-19, Emily Bug, 33, and Billy Lewis, 34, married on October 1st in Chicago. The newlyweds bought 200 Thanksgiving dinners for clients of Thresholds, a nonprofit mental health provider for people with serious mental illness, illnesses and substance abuse issues. The dinners were catered by Big, Del- Big Delicious Planet, who shared the news on Instagram. Quote, as this pandemic has dragged on and restrictions on gathering sizes have been mandated, we are getting second postponements and a few cancellations. Emily and Billy, one of our couples whose wedding uh, we were to cater in October, told Grace Hamilton, BPD's director of weddings and events, they wanted to cancel their wedding, but asked if they could repurpose their wedding deposit for two meals for a nonprofit. And we thought it was such a nice idea that we agreed to make Thanksgiving meals for at Threshold Chicago. Okay, the meals included turkey, vegetables, and mashed potatoes. Quote, in the grand scheme of things, canceling a big wedding isn't the worst thing that could happen, Bug told Good Morning America. We're happy to be married, and, so we're, and we're so happy that we could help Thresholds clients feel the, feel the connection of a Thanksgiving meal and a result of the wedding cancellation, as a result of the wedding cancellation. So you know what? People are, they can be the worst, but they can be the best as well. So here's the thing. It's like, you know, this, this couple, they, they, they got lemons, and they made lemonade with it. You know, they're, uh, they couldn't have their wedding because of COVID, and so they decided to go ahead and take that deposit for the meal and do something good with it. And, you know, I, th- I think that's uh, a kind of a unique characteristic of us as humans, uh, we as humans. Us as humans? We as humans? We as humans. You know, we have that capacity to take something bad and turn it into something good. All right? It's like you make the best of a bad situation. Absolutely. You know? In, in, in many ways, you know, uh, the whole banquet, like the post, the after, the after wedding party, the whole thing, that's, uh, uh, it's about feeding your friends and family, you know, it's about, it's about doing that for them. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it's basically the same concept in many ways is like giving this, these Thanksgiving dinners to these uh, people with mental issues and people with substance abuse problems in a way is a celebration of their love of their marriage. And, you know, God bless them for doing what they did. Okay, so this is going to be the end of the show. Uh, I want to remind you again that, you know, we're on YouTube. We're going to try to figure out what's going on with the video. Um, uh, uh, EK and I will talk after the show about it. Uh, I want to point out that we are, we have, um, FXBG of Public Radio is on Live 65. So get the uh, Live 365 app, excuse me, the Live 365 app, and look for FXBG Public Radio on there. We got, like... (laughs) All sorts of stuff going on there. Music, like 24 hours a day, right? Yep. Am I right? 24 hours a day, we got music going for FXBG Public Radio on your Live 365 app. Go look for us. We're probably going to have our shows up on there soon. Is that correct, EK? Uh, that's the goal. We're, yep. we're going to get into the point where we're putting our contact 
uh, our content on there as well. Uh, yeah, so I'm on YouTube. Search for Shock Monkey Radio. I'm also on BitChute. Also look for Shock Monkey Radio. Um, uh, buy my books. <laughs> look on Amazon.com. Look for Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. Uh, the Exit 13 series. The Bunny Years, a memoir and the ravings of a madman. Also, um, go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. We would appreciate it. And there's other tiers as well if you want to advertise or hijack the news or no one, uh, you know, help us out. We'd appreciate it. Last but not least, go to shock, uh, use, if you use Cash App, send me some money to Cash App using Cash Tag Radio. And so, yeah, this has been the end of the, this is the end of the show. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>